0: All right, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Pastor, uh, I mean, Brother Titus is going to come forward. And we're just going to read the first uh, 11 verses just to get us into the book a little bit, get the context, and then we'll jump right in. Uh, Brother, if you come here so they can hear you as well. 2 Peter 1 to 11.
1: Okay. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, in virtue with knowledge, in knowledge with self-control, in self-control with steadfastness, in steadfastness with godliness, in godliness with brotherly affection, in brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all that more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in the ways, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Says so the reading of God's holy and errant word, thank you, brother. You may be seated. All right. One more prayer. Father, we do pray that even now you'd help us to be attentive to your word. We pray, Lord, that you would stabilize us more and more in the faith that was handed down once and for all to the saints. And may we uh, be found clinging to you, Lord Jesus, when you come either to take us home or uh, to visit us for the second time and take us all to be with you. We pray it in Jesus name. Amen. One of the main things, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that parents desire for their children, uh, especially their grown children that have left home um, and to strike out on their own, is stability. That's one thing. Whenever anybody asks, hey, how's your son? It's always, uh, you know, they want to see if they're stable, right? If they're able to provide for themselves, for their families, if they're okay. Um, Because we know as parents, right, deep in our hearts, that the world can be a cold, it can be a hard and cruel place, very very unforgiving at times, and fraught with all kinds of pitfalls, all kinds of temptations, and all kinds of dangers. You know, we don't like to say it a lot, but it can be a scary world out there, right? And we know that... Uh, Our children will be vulnerable to all manner of manipulators, right? You don't have to live in the city too long to see. Uh, It'd be easy to fall prey to many manipulators, many shucksters who will prey upon their youthful naivete. And we know that there are people out there with with evil intent. They have an evil purpose. They want to use people for their own selfish ends. There are people like that in the world. And some of us parents may be especially concerned with particular children who seem to be prone to getting riches without any work. You following me? I, if I had a dollar for everybody, what do you, oh, I'm an entre- entrepreneur. Oh, in other words, you're unemployed. No, sorry, I mean, but you, you get, right, there's a little tongue in cheek, but you get my point. We're all looking for the quick buck. We're all looking for the get rich quick. And some of us, just our personality is more prone to it. But, you know, that's a little bit funny, but I'll tell you something that's not funny is we think of those, especially ladies, who are so hungry for male love that just the promise of that, they'll put up with physical abuse, emotional abuse because they so deeply long for it. So when a shuckster comes and promises it, hook, line, and sinker, they take it. I think of a song by Leonard Skinner. Don't listen to a lot of uh, much listen to them much anymore as, as an adult as I did when I was a teen. But one of their songs, uh, believe it or not, resonates with most of us no matter what style of music you have you listen to. It's a song called "Simple Man." I don't know if you ever heard it. I'm gonna read some of the lyrics. Mama told me whenever something starts like that, it's interesting. Mama told me when I was young, come sit beside me, my only son. And listen closely to what I say. And if you do this, it'll help you some sunny day. Right? Take your time. Don't live too fast. This is, this is pretty good advice, this stuff. Troubles will come and they will pass. Right? Because when we're going through troubles, it doesn't seem like they're ever going to end. We need to hear what mama has to say there. Go find a woman and you'll find love. And don't forget, son, there's someone up above. So be a simple kind of man. One more. Forget your lust for the rich man's gold. All that you need is in your soul. And you could do this if you try. And all that I want for you, my son, is to be satisfied. Now, as Christians, I changed that when I sang it for my son. And I said, all I want for you, my son, is to be sanctified. Right? Why did I get into all that? because you read this epistle we didn't have time to do it this morning but if you read through the whole thing chapter 2 will take the paint off your car you go home i want you to read that and you're going to see there's none of those verses in chapter 2 you're going to find on a calendar <laughs> i promise you if you find it on a calendar or one of those inspirational quote memes that you, you know if, if you find it there forward it to me I, i'm interested i'm interested to see that <laughs> But when you look at this letter, you wonder what why in the world did Peter write this? I mean, this is really, you know, a strong letter, especially as you get into chapter two and three, chapters two and three. Well, Peter wrote this second letter of his because as we read on, we find out that the Lord Jesus made it clear to him that his time on earth was almost up. Chapter 1, verse 14. He says, The Lord told me that I am might be leaving this body soon. So he takes up his pen to remind his readers, that is, his spiritual children, as it were, to beware of unstable men who were trying to make them fall from their secure position. In other words, that's what Peter's main concern is throughout this epistle. And we can see this throughout the epistle. I'm only going to bring up a few verses so you can see I'm, I'm not just making this stuff up or dreaming it up. Peter's concern for the young churches, and now for us, 2,000 years later who believe on Christ, is our spiritual stability. Yeah. When you pray for a lot of things, when's the last time you said, Lord, I pray for my brother, I pray for my son, I pray for my friend, that you would make them spiritually stable in Christ. Right? You know, I remember when I took my doctorate of ministry, one of the things the professors mentioned was, you know, when you're taking your M div, you're not even asking the right questions. <laughs> right? It's not until you've been in the ministry for a while, decade, two decades, then you go to do your demon, and now you got the right questions. Because <laughs> now we're all asking the right questions because we've all been in it. You with me? And I think sometimes we're praying a lot and we're not always praying the right things. Verse 1. Um, Chapter 1, verse 10. Peter says this. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never, what? Fall. That's Peter's concern. That we never fall. That we stay secure in the gospel. The false teachers he so vividly speaks of in chapter 2, which we'll be getting into in the weeks to come, were unstable themselves, and they were trying to drag the young churches into their own instability. Look at chapter 3, verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. And the ESV puts it this way: that so, or that you might lose your stability. You following me? In the verse before that, Peter explains that the one major flaw that characterizes the false teachers is their instability. Speaking about his fellow Apostle Paul, which is interesting. I can't wait till we get to that. He says this. His letters, that's Paul's letters, contain some things that are hard to understand. <laughs> and all God's people say, you think? <laughs> but notice this. Which ignorant and unstable people distort. As they do the other Scriptures. And then here's the scary thing. To their own destruction. Wow. Did you know Christianity is a religion both about deliverance and destruction? That's something we've got to come to terms with as modern people. The good news is that Peter's readers, as we're going to see throughout the epistle, they're established in the truth already that's in Christ Jesus. But the bad news is that these false teachers were a real threat to the churches and therefore they were not to be trifled with or flirted with. And i got news for you. Unfortunately, in the Church of Jesus Christ today, there are many false teachers. There are many false guides. There are many people trying to pull people away into things that are ungodly. It's not just about ideas. It's about where... Because ideas have consequences. They affect how you live. Dick Lucas puts it this way. The purpose of 2 Peter is twofold. This is important. To expose such false guides for what they were, hence the colorful diatribe of chapter 2. And more important still, to set before the churches the conditions of survival when doctrinal and moral perversions infiltrate their fellowship. See, it's kind of good to get right at the beginning of our study here to get the reason why Peter wrote the book so we can be on the same page Peter Peters. One more quote from Dick, just so I could summarize. It makes this a lot quicker. He says things very succinct. This is this is this is what characterized the false teachers. Now I want you to pause and drink this in, because now you'll see we have them in our day and age. These false teachers didn't turn the evil man from his ways; rather, they strengthened the hands of the evildoer, and then gave him false hopes. For the future. Peace. All is well. Now, I'm going to repeat that. These false prophets didn't turn people away from evil, they strengthened them in evil, and then they gave them false promises of heaven when they are really headed to hell. I know this isn't a fun topic. I know this isn't exciting. I know this isn't like, you know, hey, coming to New City, we're going to have a really cool sermon. Well, this is what you need to hear. Because God gave it to us. To show you that Dick hit the nail on the head with that quote, one last peek before we dig into chapter 1, just a little bit as an introduction. Chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. This is what Peter says about the false prophets of his day, and unfortunately, some who live among us today. For they mouth empty, boastful words... And by appealing, notice what they do, appealing to the lustful desires of the human nature. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. Now here's the damning comment. The most damning one, I think. They promise them freedom when they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever is mastered. Wow. Wow. Remember what I said earlier about not being on a calendar? Now, as I was studying this book, this letter, made me think, you know, Lord, who knows the future? I don't know if I have another second, if I have another day, another year, another 50. Who knows, right? But I, you know, Lord willing, if things go the way it looks like they're going, I'm going to have a couple more years here before we go overseas. What really hit me is... Words tend to have more weight and gravity, right? When you know they could be some of the last words coming from someone's mouth in this world. Last words of a parent. You ever hear people say, the last thing they said to me was, right? All of a sudden, that's something they hold on to for the rest of their life, right? Last words of a friend, last words of a Christian leader how much more the last words of an official ambassador, apostle of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's about to leave this body, he says. And what he wants for the people under his care, what he wants them to hear, what Pastor Pete and I want for every single one of you, most of all, is for you to be spiritually stable, to never fall from your secure position in the truth of the gospel. That's what we want for you. I, I could say that. I didn't even ask Pete if that's what He wants for you. Because I know it. And the issue is this. We want you to hold to the genuine gospel. Not my gospel, not Pete's gospel that we made up. Not a gospel for anybody else in this city or anybody else online. But the genuine gospel. That means the apostolic gospel. One year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, if you're still on this side of glory and I'm still on this side of glory, I want to hear not only that you know the true God of grace, but that you're growing deeper and deeper in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what I want to hear. I want to say, yes! Praise the Lord. I don't care if you have money don't have money. I don't care. You know That's irrelevant to me. You know, people like, oh, what do you do for a living? And then all of a sudden, that's how they're going to judge your worth. Ever been there? I know, because I can't tell you how many people, oh, what do you do? I'm a pastor. You'll write a book about the looks I get once I say that. I really could care less, as long as what you're doing is honest. What I want for you, the way I would want for my children, I do want for my children, is that you're stable in Jesus. Uh, one gentleman, we prayed for safety. That's what I pray for, real safety. That's why we're going to begin this letter this, this morning. It's all about how to grow in who and what we know. Do you hear me? I want you to grow in who you know and in what you know. It's not going to be by listening to apostate fallen teachers who promise freedom with some new twist on the truth. Right? Remember what Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. But rather, it's going to be by going further up and further in to the knowledge of the Father and of the Son through the same apostolic gospel you received when you first believe. can I get a witness church? That message never changes. This is what we're going to see. We're going to spend a few more moments this morning. An official ambassador of Christ reminds us that we already have all that we need through our knowledge of Christ and what we need to add to keep us from being unproductive in that knowledge. I'm going to repeat that an official ambassador of Christ, an apostle of Jesus, reminds us that we already have all we need. Don't listen to those false teachers. Through our knowledge of Christ. And then he'll tell us what we can add to our faith so that our knowledge of Christ will not be unproductive. I don't know about you, but that's something I'd want to know. These are secrets that are open secrets, as it were. So we're going to look at just a few things. In our introduction, first thing I want you to notice in the text is that we have a message from a genuine apostle. Genuine. The real deal. This is how he introduces himself. Simon Peter. (laughs) If you ever read the Gospels, we hear a lot about Simon Peter, don't we? A servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Because it will come up again and again throughout this letter. But suffice it to say that when Peter says, listen, when he says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, yes, it refers to humility. Yes, it refers to the fact he only speaks what his master has sent him to speak. But do you know what it really is? It's a title of authority. Because guess who was called the servant of the Lord in the Old Testament? Well, there are a number of them, but there's a big one. Moses. Moses was the, the servant of the of the Lord. That meant God speaks through Moses. And you remember when they were complaining against Moses and hey, was God only talk through you? You remember what God did? Oh, really? You going to talk to my servant like that? <laughs> Maybe you remember. They became leprous And these words mean so much to me and they always touch my heart. God said, "I have spoken to other people through visions." And dreams, and many other ways, but I have spoken to Moses as a man talks to his friend. <laughs> now, when you hear God say that, it's time to go rut row. That's Peter. We know Peter was a hot mess, we know Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth, but you got to remember, Peter is the one that Jesus said, Do you love me? And then what did he do? Say, Go feed my sheep. This is not a man who goes in his own authority. This isn't a man who decides, you know what, I think it would be a good idea to talk talk to people about God. This is someone sent officially. And that's the second thing. He's a servant and he's an apostle of Christ Jesus. And why does he emphasize both of those? Because that means that the risen, ascended Lord sent him to speak his message, not Peter's own message, but Jesus' message. And why am I bringing this up? Why am I belaboring this, this point, this text? Because to be a faithful minister of Jesus Christ today, to be a faithful minister of the Word, that means we have to speak the message given through the apostles. We have no right to make up our own message. I don't come in. I have a word from the Lord and start making stuff up. Any minister worth their salt must preach The prophetic and the apostolic word of God. That's all where our authority lies. If it's not in here you could say, you could cry foul. Why were the Bereans of a more noble character? You remember that in Acts? Because they searched the scriptures to make sure these things were so. See here's the issue. Why am I bringing this up? You're all like, you know, Pastor Joseph gets so excited about that. We've heard this a million times before. But here's the issue. What I just told you is boring and it's old hat. And it's not new enough and tantalizing enough for false prophets. You follow me? It doesn't satisfy them. And it doesn't satisfy those with itching ears who don't like what they hear, they want to hear what they want to hear, and they'll keep going through different passes until they get what they want to hear. You follow me? But as as pastors, preachers, and teachers, we expect to be rewarded when the chief shepherd appears. If we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant then we have to make sure we preach nothing more, nothing less than the apostolic gospel. And as believers, we got to make sure, we, we stood up here, case you, right before that great, uh, crazy uh, alarm thing chased us out of the building for a little while, what did we just do? We just said, I believe in one holy Catholic, which means universal, by the way, an apostolic church. Right? Paul says the same thing. He says that the church is built on what? The foundation of the prophets and the what? Apostles. And real quick, in case you're confused who apostles are, they had to have seen the risen Christ. There are none today. Not in the strict sense of that word. They are a foundation. You don't build a foundation twice. You build it right. One last word about the false prophets in connection with the true apostles. Uh, Richard Balcom puts it this way. Perhaps they saw themselves as rather daring young radicals trying to clear a lot of traditional nonsense out of the church. Leave it to the devil, my brothers and sisters, to deceive people thinking that it, into thinking that an ancient warmed over heresy is some cutting edge modern message. That's the irony. I I know some of you are looking at me like, this isn't relevant. We've had people in our own fellowship that are now completely apostate. And we've seen the carnage. We've seen the broken families. It's hurt our church. And some of the folks who had gone away make the comment, we're, we're behind the times, our church. We're not progressive. See, here's the issue. Imitators and imposters will always try to discredit the genuine article. Right? Fakes always go up against the real thing. But Peter was just that. He was the real thing. Once sent by Jesus Christ himself to preach and teach his gospel to his sheep. We can read all four gospels to learn more about Peter's story. As one of the original twelve. And, and, and you know I don't know about you but when I read the gospels when I hear them preach. Don't you imagine what it would have been like to be there. How special to be with Jesus when a lot of these things happen. But Peter says something that's the second thing. I want to point out from the text briefly this morning. Peter says something next that's truly astounding. He not only says that he's a genuine apostle, but he says that you and I, if we're in Christ and we believe the gospel, we have the same genuine faith that he does. That's right, the faith that he had 2,000 years ago, the intimacy that he had with Jesus through that faith, you and I have it today. This is what he writes to the recipients. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Or in the ESV it's more like equal to ours. Peter's saying that if you're a believer in Christ today, some 2,000 years after the first hand eyewitnesses of the apostles and the companions, then you have received a faith that's just as precious as theirs. That's right. Listen. Faith is a gift that we receive by God's grace alone, just as the apostles did those many, many years ago, and it's just as precious. Is it that precious to you? Silver and gold we might not have, but if you got faith, you got it all because of who it connects you to the Lord Jesus. really interesting. It says something that we share with Peter and his fellow apostles. It binds us together with them, even though we're two millenniums apart. Think about it. Two thousand years apart. And we're united in the same family, same fellowship. What Peter's saying is we have the same genuine knowledge of Jesus and the same special relationship that the apostles did. In other words, listen, brothers and sisters, there's no second class citizens in the kingdom. You know, my, you know. we always talk about when you fly, oh, I'd love to have first class. We got it wrong if we think the apostles are in the first class and we're like in coach. Remember what Paul says? They're like in the back, man. They're the ones who were treated like scum. Their hope is for us, Right? to grow and receive full salvation. No, we are are with them in the same family of God, the same privileges and the rights. Speaking of whom, notice how Peter refers to our Lord, and I think this this is really striking. He calls Jesus, listen, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you say, so what? you realize this is one of the only places in the Bible that Jesus is flat out referred to as God. Did you know that? I mean, it's implied all over the place. And Jesus says it very mysteriously, you know, the Father and I are one, and all these, I am. He gives all these great, you know, kind of hints. But this is only one of, two, two places that the Bible just comes out and says, our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is how the apostle who saw with his own eyes the Lord Jesus still the wind and waves with just a few words. He saw him heal lepers with a touch, give sight to the blind. He saw Jesus forgive sins. And that's what ticked the religious leaders off more than all the miracles. Who do you think you are that you could say to that guy, your sins are forgiven? And then Jesus said, oh yeah? You think it's hard to do that? Which is harder, to say your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and go home to this lame man? Well, just so you know that the Son of Man has this authority, get up. Take your mat and go home. Peter saw this stuff with his own eyes. There's a reason Peter boldly proclaims the full deity of Jesus right from the get-go in this epistle. What is the now I want you to think for a minute, what's the main thing almost every single cult denies? The full deity of Jesus Christ. He was a good man. The Christ came upon him. Well, I mean, they get really creative. Or he was, this is my favorite one. I think C.S. Lewis couldn't stand it either. He was a good teacher. Jesus wasn't merely a teacher from God. He's God come to teach. Can I get a witness? Yes, he is the son of God. He certainly is referred to that way in many places in the Bible. But let's not forget he's also God the son. You can reverse that. He's the son of God, but he's God the son. Just like the father is God the father. Peter wants his readers and us to always remember that we receive the faith as precious as the first generation disciples through, now listen to this one, the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter's not only emphasizing the deity of Christ, listen now, I'm going to start preaching, he emphasizes the righteousness of Christ. Because you didn't receive the faith you received because of your righteousness, hello? He did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So we know you didn't get it because you, you're good. But there's more to it. There's more to it than that. I think Peter's bringing up the righteousness of Jesus because he's contrasting it with the false teachers who not only have a bad message, but their lives stink to high heaven. That they're not Righteous. And he wants you to know, you receive this faith through the righteousness of Jesus. Listen, because here's the thing. How many times do we hear people emphasize free grace, free grace, free grace, and then we see a license for them to engage in all manner of wickedness? Remember, people accuse the Apostle Paul of teaching that. And Paul says, God forbid. Right? Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And it doesn't mean don't preach grace because some people abuse it. It just means preach it rightly. And what Peter wants us to see is we've been rescued from sin, not to live in it anymore. We've been given this knowledge and we've been saved through the righteousness of Jesus. Listen. Listen. You remember the story of the woman caught in adultery. Y'all remember that, right? Does anyone condemn you? No, Lord, she says. And he says what? Neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. But we don't remember the story about the blind man after the Lord healed the blind man. Oh, see so you're like I thought that was going to be the end of the story. He finds him later in the temple. And he says, Go and leave your life of sin, Jesus says to him. Listen, lest the worst thing happen to you. (laughs) The other one was more touchy-feely, right? (laughs) The real Jesus, preached by a real apostle, grants us two things that only God can give, and that is grace and peace. You get that? Grace and peace can only come through the one who made peace on the cross for you and me. And the one who gives us God's unmerited favor. Listen, here's the thing. When, when you think about grace be upon you, unmerited, be, unmerited, unmerited favor be upon you, what we let me flesh this out a little bit for you. There are people that I know, that I've seen throughout my life, who long for the approval of their parents or long for the approval of a spouse or some uh, uh, authority figure. And their whole lives they'll long for it and never get it. What we have as believers in Christ Jesus, but as a free gift, unearned, not because we deserve it, we have, listen, listen church, we have the favor of God. We have his approval in Christ Jesus. You remember when Jesus said some hard things and it says that all the disciples left him? You remember this in John chapter 6? And then he turns to his 12 and he says, You want to leave too? This is your opportunity. And it's interesting enough guess who answers? Peter. You remember what he says? To whom else will we go? You got the words. Of eternal life. That's what Peter's telling us here in this epistle. Jesus. Is the way the truth of life. He has the words. Don't let anybody. Trick you or deceive you. Into thinking they got something better. Or uh, uh, developed from that. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Through the knowledge. Of our God and Jesus our Lord. Now, like I said, I'm going to leave a cliffhanger, but I do want to mention the third thing. I'm just going to mention it in passing and get your appetites wet because this has all been an introduction. But the third thing we have is a genuine knowledge of God. That's the whole ball of wax because in the bottom, when it comes down to it, those Jesus sends away from his presence on that great and terrible day, He's gonna say what? I never knew you. So knowing God and him knowing you, you think that's important? It's gravely important. And Peter says something really surprising, and I'm just gonna wet your appetite for next time. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through what? Through our knowledge of him who called us by His own glory and goodness. I'm going to close with these last words. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, you have everything you need already in the Gospel and in Christ for life and for godliness. Now, some of you, I can't believe I'm this old that some of you may never saw this movie, but The Wizard of Oz. Well, there's a song called the Tin Man, by this band America. And it always intrigued me. It goes like this. You know, Oz never did give nothing to the Tin Man that he didn't, didn't already have. If you're a believer in Christ, you already have God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is yours. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Jesus reigns in your life. Nobody can give you more than that. Now we're going to see Peter ends his epistle by saying grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can grow in it, but we already got it. Brothers and sisters, we got to grow in who we know, but we're also going to grow in what we know. Because we're going to see next time there is stuff that we need to add to our faith to make sure we're not unproductive. Now that's interesting. We have all we need, and then he says add. I'm going to leave it there. And we'll see what he means by that next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news of Jesus. We thank you that you saved us through it. We thank you that the blood of Jesus its power never it never loses its power. And Father, we know that we long for our disciples, we long for our children, we long for our friends, we long for our spouses, that they would be stable, that they would be stable in their faith, not turned to the right or to the left, Lord, that they would not be tossed about by every wind of doctrine, but that they would mature in You, Lord Jesus. We pray that for ourselves, we pray that for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we pray that the same message we bring to our neighbors and friends and outreach, that we, until the day we die, would grow deeper in it, Lord Jesus, because we know the full wisdom and righteousness and glory of God is found in you alone, Jesus. Help us to continually remember that and take the words of this great apostle, these last words of his, this last letter, to, to deepen our hearts.